The Latin text, O Manium Mysterium, set as a motet by the Renaissance priest and composer Thomas Luis de Victoria. This is the St. Long Chinas' Baptism Podcast Channel. This could be episode 56, the topic of which is going to be the words Christian, a Christian and Catholic have been corrupted. But first, the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen. So, I've touched on this topic in passing. And I got to figure out how I'm going to formulate this because I don't want to come off. There's there's two ways that I could possibly come off as a know-it-all or as being a snarky little a-hole. And uh, I don't, I'm going to attempt to as best as I can because I have a flawed personality to begin with. So, you know, even I've had people get mad at me even when I was trying to be nice to them because I don't know, maybe it's my looks, tone of voice, whatever, but they thought I was messing with them when I was actually trying to be nice to them. So, um, for the word Christian. There's the history behind that. The term Christian was used in the city of Antioch, I want to say around the year 100 AD. Or I'm sorry, not 100 AD. Yeah, 100 AD, first century AD. And it was it was used to describe you know, basically the entire religion was Catholics, but they were termed Christians because uh, I believe, if I'm remembering the uh, information I got, was because they were like little Christs. In other words, they were so pious and devout that uh, their pagan neighbor, their pagan neighbor, neighbors nicknamed them Christians. You know, because they were little Christ. They were like their God. And then, you know, heresies... Heresies had been around since, you know, since the time of Peter and Paul. In the book of Acts, they talk about Simon Magnus. And Simon Magnus was this magician... They called him a magician who basically offered Peter a bag of silver if he would teach him the miracles that he was performing so that he could do it. 
you know, he wanted the baptism. He realized that, you know, uh, unless he got the baptism and, you know, became like Peter, the, you know, and he was planning on making money with this, as it's stated in the book of Acts. And of course, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he saw right through this. He said, "Take your go, take your silver and go pound sand, buddy." Now I don't remember if God struck Simon Magnus dead or if he was just cursed, but the man came. At the end of the day, the man came to a very bad end. So, heresies had been around since the time of Peter and Paul. And by the way, the time of Peter and Paul was shortly after Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. So, around 100 AD, the term Christian started being used when talking about the Catholic religion, of the followers of the Catholic religion, the followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, for you Protestants out there, because I know this is a popular little theory on the internet, that no, the heretics were really the proto-Protestants, uh, I'm sorry, the, the heretics were really the Catholics and the true Christians were the, were the, uh, were these quote-unquote heretics that the Catholics named heretics after they supposedly took power. That is a basic uh, mistake, a uh, lack of historical knowledge, and really not facing the truth about the history of Christ, uh, Christianity. Um, when I say this, I'm not saying your brand of Christianity. I'm saying Catholic Christianity. Anyhow, well, around this time, the Arian heresy came out. And I've talked about this in previous episodes where basically, I think they said like 90% of like the clergy and hierarchy were Aryan heretics and 70% of the laity were, you know, followed that heresy. And off the top of my head, I know I covered this in a previous episode, I don't remember what in particular made the Aryan heresies, or I'm sorry, the Aryan heresies heretical I just know that I, I think it had something to do with saying, uh, I, I don't want to say if I'm not pretty certain. So I'll leave it at this. You have Google. Google the Her uh, Aryan heresy and hopefully the Lord will lead you to the right link. Anyhow, this heresy almost destroyed the Catholic Church. And around the time that St. Augustine became a bishop of Hip Hippo, he started using the term Catholic. Now I want to explain something to you guys. The term Catholic had always been in use since the earliest days of the church 
but it was meant more in regards to the church itself rather than the individual followers of Jesus Christ. So, the church itself was called Catholic, but the, the followers of Jesus Christ were known as Christians. And the reason that the term Catholic was used is it's Greek for universal, meaning that everybody who professed faith in Jesus Christ and the teachings that he gave was part of the Catholic Church. And this obviously was throughout the Roman Empire. Obviously, you know, at that time there were no airplanes, there were no gas-powered ships to take you across the oceans. So it was pretty much within inside of the confines of the Roman Empire at that time. And it was also referred to Catholic because, oh, I'm sorry, it was also... Yeah, also referred to as Catholic because Catholic and Greek mean... Oh, I already said that about it being universal. It was also universal in the sense that the teachings were objective. Meaning that they, they don't change through time. What was, time. what was true at the time of Jesus' ministry between 30 and 33 A.D., and after he ascended into heaven, were the same as the teachings uh, 70 years after he ascended, and so on and so forth. And then, it was also known as universal, and I'm afraid I'm going to make some progressives mad, in that, at that time, and I hate using this word, but there's no other word to describe it, the Roman society, well, actually society in general, didn't necessarily have to be Roman. Um, the Gauls, the Angles in England, the, uh, the, um, the Celts in France and Spain, the Germanic tribes, the, the Hebrews, the Syrians, they were all quote-unquote patriarchal, meaning that women did not have the same rights as men. Men, you know, had special privileges. And I know it's popular nowadays. Oh, men are so privileged. It's an old boys' club. Well, it was literally an old boys' club back then. Now, anyone who's read their New Testament knows that Jesus got in a fight with the... Well, not a fight, but he, he basically laid down the laws of the Pharisees because when, when Moses... When God allowed Moses divorce, a man, not the woman, but the man could divorce his wife for any reason. I mean, literally any reason. And if he put, if he divorced her, if she was out of luck, she was, you know, if she didn't have friends or relatives to take care of her, she was literally out of luck. And the Pharisees were all ticked off because Jesus is saying, 
telling people, no, God allowed divorce because your hearts were hard and he meant it that a man and a woman should never be separated. But he gave you divorce, you know, to basically uh, condescend to the to the Hebrews, you know, because he's a he's a loving God. He didn't like it, but he did it because he knew that that it needed to be done. But when when Jesus had his art. Uh, uh, not argument, but when, when he was telling the Pharisees, he was like, look, he said, you know, you cannot, you cannot, God did not mean for you to divorce. He only did it because you're flawed, failed individuals. And the Pharisees were all peeled about that because, you know, it was their tradition. You know, it had been around since Moses. And even though Jesus was performing all kinds of miracles, and by the way, in the old, uh, I'm sorry, in the Gospels, he did not make any attempt whatsoever to hide his nature. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. There were times when he would perform a miracle, like a healing, and he would tell the person, go show yourself to the priest, you know, because they needed the... It was Mosaic law that if you had like leprosy or something, you had to get a certificate from the priest saying that you could rejoin the community. And you know, people being people, <laughs> you have you have leprosy, you're lame for all your life, and then all of a sudden this guy comes and he heals you, but he tells you, Well, don't tell anybody. Well, your first reaction is well, why? I'm, you know, you're overjoyed. You're, you're gleeful. You've just been healed from a disease that you've had since childhood. So what they do? They ran around, and told other people. But there were times when he did that, and there were other times when he told the Pharisees that he was God Himself. And that's, you know, and even though he was performing these miracles. Because the Pharisees, he wasn't what they, the God, the Messiah that they wanted. They, they, they said that he was getting his powers from demons and he wasn't God. And they, he was trying to subvert the law, the law of Moses. Anyway, I'm kind of digressing. But my point is, is that women had no rights. In that in that era, they had no rights. Well, I I'm going to amend what I just said slightly. In Roman society, and I'm talking within Rome itself. Wealthy women had certain privileges that you know that men couldn't mess with. But as a general rule, outside of Rome. Meaning England, France, Spain, um, Syria, uh, Judea, Egypt. Women were second class citizens. And I know for some of you uh, rad tread types that, you know, that sounds like, you know, like I'm a flaming leftist. I'm not. I may, I'm saying this to make a point. 
And the point is, is, is that when Jesus started his church, it was universal that everybody in the Catholic religion were treated as equals. In other words, it didn't matter if you were a wealthy man with 200 slaves. If you were a Christian and they were Christian, you were on the same level as far as the church was concerned as they were. So that's also why they called the, called, uh, called the church Catholic was because you know, it's universal. It's for everybody. There are no special privileges. And, you know, it's truth is universal. And it's all over the Roman world. So it's universal. Well, around the time that St. Augustine became Bishop of Hippo, after his famous conversion from a pagan, some of the Aryan heretics were starting to call themselves Christians. Because you got to remember what I just said. At that time, the followers of the true Catholic Church were known as Christians. So they started calling themselves Christians. And so in order to differentiate the true Catholics from the heretics, he started referring to the true Christians as Catholic. That they belong to the true Catholic Church. And this was basically the state of things until the Protestant Revolt in the 1500s. When Martin Luther, John Knox, John Calvin decided that, oh, the Catholic Church can go pound sand, we're going to start our own religion. Well, they started calling themselves Christians. But being heretics, they added a little twist and called themselves Reformed Christians. And their claim was, was that the Catholic Church had been corrupted and it was no longer the true Church of God. But these guys, you know, John Calvin, John Knox... And Luther, those were the reformers, those were the reformed Christians, and they were going to fix Christianity. Now, I don't know, I literally do not know why, but there were certain, there were even saints who referring to Catholics said uh, referred to Catholics as Christians and I think I was telling a friend of mine I thought that this well no I didn't think I still think that this was a massive mistake because you're basically there's an old saying on the internet that you never see ground to the enemy in an argument and so with all these Protestant heretics running around calling themselves Christian when you're the actual religion the true religion and you start calling yourself Christian you're mudding the waters you're literally mudding the waters because when people are ignorant and ill trained depending on their outlook you know when they hear a Protestant say well I'm a reformed Christian 
And then they hear a Catholic say, well, I'm a Christian. To them, it sounds the same. There's no distinction. And, you know, like I said, some people are ignorant and they don't bother to look into these things. And so they just assume that they're both true. They're both equally true. The Protestants are Christian and the Catholics are Christian. And... Um, there, to our great credit, and when I say our, I'm talking about the true Catholic Church, there were certain saints and prelates and priests who made the distinction and started saying, no, we're Catholic, we're the true Christians, and, you know, the Protestants who are calling themselves Reformed Christians are heretics. But, as society became more corrupted by the Freemasonic satanic heresy, became progressively and progressively ignorant, and pretty soon the word Christian was interchangeable. And that was the state of affairs up until the Vatican II heretical council when the founders yeah the literal founders of the Vatican II sect had their council where ostensibly now in name they were Catholic but the teachings that they were promulgating at this at this council were basically taking the distinct features which make the true Catholic Church Catholic and they were Protestant, Protestantizing them. In other words, as I always say, they were introducing Protestantism into the institution of the Catholic Church through the back door. And so now we're talking about present era when these guys, and when I say these guys, I'm talking about the Vatican II people, they call themselves Catholic, but they're really Protestants, whether they realize it or not. And uh, it, for the sake of charity, I take people at their word, or I should say, I give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, like, for those of you who haven't heard it, I did a uh, an episode on a debate back in the early 2000s between a Vatican II theologian named Robert Fastigi and Bishop Samborn. And, um... Basically... Um, the guy's a theologian, okay? Now, granted, he's a Vatican II theologian. But I want to say, when he did that debate with Bishop Sanborn, he's about Bishop Sanborn's age. I believe Bishop Sanborn's pushing 80. Which meant that doctor, and I put that in inverted quotation marks, Fastigi 
had to have been raised in the true Catholic religion. Now, when somebody gets a degree in theology and they, they, they go from one set of beliefs to another without any, you know, without any questioning, I got to believe that they're, I mean, just I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're not stupid. They're not ignorant. You know, there's a difference between a theologian and some 20-year-old millennial who's been raised in the, uh, the Vatican II sect all his life and doesn't know that, you know, what the true Catholic Church actually believes and teaches. Now, Dr. Fastigi, if he had been a younger man, because there are some former Vatican II clergy who are now said of a contest, or true Catholics as I call them, um, who they all say knew, and I've said this in previous episodes, all they knew was Vatican II, as far as they knew, that was the true Catholic Church. Dr. Fastigi had to have been raised, like I said, because Bishop Sanborn was raised in the traditional, uh, the true Catholic Church. And he made the switch to Sedvacantism because he realized the theology of Vatican II was Protestant, therefore it was a heresy. And so now the word Catholic has been corrupt. As a matter of fact, the, the way society has been so degraded and degenerated, peop, I would hazard a guess that probably 90 to 95% of the general public doesn't, first of all, they don't know what a set of a contest is, and if they've heard the term, they're thinking we're a bunch of freaking... Oh, I don't know, weirdos, you know, that, you know, we're some sort of Jim Jones type cult. And because it's present era, nobody bothers to research what's involved here because well, that takes work and time. Who's got that? And that's why I told my friend initially when some members of the true Catholic Church started referring to true Catholics as Christians, this was a bad idea because it muddied the waters to begin with. So by the time Vatican II happens, and the Masons had actually got their infiltrators to pass their agenda, which was basically Protestantized one true religion, and turned it into a heresy, society at that point you know, for the most part, threw up their hands and just, well, they're in the churches, they're wearing the uniforms, they got to be Catholics. And by the way, this is no criticism on the average person. I was under the same thought myself. That's why I joined the Vatican II Church, because I thought that they were actual Christians. Anyhow, so, these two words have been corrupted now beyond all recognition. And 
I just want to stress to you guys, it's a matter of the utmost importance. Your ultimate enemy, besides yourself, is Satan. When Satan introduced these things, he did it for a purpose. He wants to drag as many people down to hell as possible with him when he's... Because uh, he knows. I got to believe he knows. Because he was one of the first angels and he was the chief of the angels before he decided that God could go pound sand and he didn't have to listen. Which, by the way, is the original sin of the, the, the Protestant revolters, the Protestant rebels, and the Vatican II sect. And <sighs> this is meant to mislead and confuse the ignorant, like myself at one time. And depending on the person, their circumstances, the way they were raised, you know, what makes us human, the difference is, is how different people react when you tell them that, no, the church that you think is Catholic isn't. It's really a form of Protestantism. And a lot, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that concept. And, you know, for the sake of charity, I, I can't say they blame them. Now, me personally, I need God's direct intervention to realize, well, wait a minute, I left the Protestant church because of its inherent contradictions I'm in what I think of as the Catholic Church and it's got the same inherent contradictions. And I honestly believed at that time that the Vatican II sect was the one true Catholic Church. And I've been taught enough to know that Catholic truth cannot contradict itself. So I'm trying to square a round peg. Because I'm in what I think of as the true Catholic Church, but they have the same contradictions and, and faults as the Protestant Church. Until I, you know, until God blessed me to run in Sevsedevacantis after God's direct intervention. And for the sake of brevity, I'll be very brief. What had happened was, was those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast know that I refer to Michael Voris, who is quote-unquote a rad trad, as a grifter. And the reason I call him that was, was that, you know, he has this little short the, vor the vortex and in one of his episodes he was talking about how some priests were refusing communion to people who kneeled and did not take it take the Eucharist the body, blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in their hands thus profaning our Lord and Savior and he said no if they do that, go to the bishop. 
and let him know what they're doing. Now, this was two or three years before this had happened. But um, once I understood, uh, dim understanding at that point, but it was a dim understanding that I, don't, I should not take communion in the hand. I was kneeling and sticking out my tongue, which is the proper way to receive the body and blood and soul and divinity of your Lord and Savior. For when, when I did communion, until one day I go into Mass, do my confession, I go to take communion, and the priest who was doing this looked at me and he said, Well, I should say, civilian posing as a priest, a LARPer, said, Get up, get off your knees, take it in the hand. You're you're making a spectacle of, and he did this in front of the, the congregation that was in mass at that time. And this was, I want to say this was around 2015, 2016 when Mr. Bergoglio was the Pope. But I believe this was God's divine providence because me being the person I am subtly doesn't work with me. You got to kick me in the head to get me to understand, hey, stupid you know, these people are misleading me. So between, let's just say it was 2016, for two years, I was almost in a state of despair because I knew that the true Catholic Church was the true Church of Christ, but I knew that the church that I was going to, they were not true Catholics. And by the way, for you Vatican II types, before Vatican II Council was convened, there were actual, you had to go before what was known as an altar rail, which, depending on the church, may or may not have had kneelers. You had to kneel in front of this altar rail, and you had to take the communion kneeling and on your tongue prior to Vatican II. Don't believe me? I've got a whole Pinterest page that documents it. And you you know, you don't want to bother yourself. You can just look it up. But for two years, like I said, I I ain't gonna lie, I wasn't like doing my due diligence as far as my spiritual life was concerned. But I was making a half-hearted effort to at least attempt to follow the teachings that I thought, you know, were true Catholicism. And then I bumped into some set of contests online and they explained to me about this. And, you know, I'm not the type of person that I take everyone's word for it when it comes to something like my salvation, so I started looking into what they were saying and everything checked out. When I tell you guys that if you, if you go with a, um, with a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, a, uh, sincere intent it, that's not the word I was looking for, but it'll do. A sincere intent 
and you listen without any preconceived notions, they can quote you chapter and verse. And when I say they've spilled reams of ink, not just in print, but on the internet, and done thousands of hours of video, literally documenting how Vatican II is not the same Catholic Church that existed prior to that council, I'm not lying to you. You just need to have the willingness to go into it with an open mind. But um, I did do the research. Now, because I spent two years reverting back, not all the way, but for all intents and purposes, as far as God was concerned, I went back to where he did not want me to be. So between 2018 and 2021... I was in a limbo state. I was doing the research, but I was still indulging in things that I had no business indulging in if I were to be a true and sincere follower of Jesus Christ and His Blessed Mother. That's why I told you what I told you about, you know. It took the communion incident to wake me up. Now, and I think we're about ready to wrap up because I've covered the main points. The, the whole thing, well, Vatican II itself gave, let me, let me put this the right way. It basically put its stamp of approval on the word Christian for all sorts of schismatics and heretics. It officially put its stamp of approval on that. If you go through the Vatican II doctrine, uh, I'm sorry, documents, not doctrine, well, doctrine and documents, but documents are the basis of the doctrine. It refers to Protestants as separated brethren. Now, if you read any Catholic, well, I have talked in the past how some traditional Catholic writers out of a misguided sense of charity did refer to the heretic, the Protestant heretics as separate brethren. They're not. They're heretics. And when you see a heretic, it's not a matter of charity to call them, you know, to give them a title that they are not entitled to. Which brings me back to my introductory videos. I say in those that I don't call guys like Ratzinger, Watia, Montini, Roncalli, and Mr. Bergoglio popes. Because they're not popes. They're LARPers. They're pretenders. They're heretics. But they're not popes. Pope is for a true Catholic. You, in order to be a Pope or a Bishop or even a layman, you have to be a sincere Catholic. And no amount of monking with the language is going to change that fact. 
But I, I said, you know, I'm not going to give them a title that they're, you know, and I'm going to do the same thing with the Protestants and the Eastern Schismatics. The Eastern, you know, the Orthodox are Schismatics. They broke with the Catholic Church. Therefore, they are Schismatics. Now, as I said in an earlier episode, that doesn't mean that you run around and start beating people that are under this air with a stick. And I mean a literal, well, a literal stick and a verbal stick. You don't do that, but you dang sure don't have to give them a title such as Christian or Catholic if they aren't. And none of these people are. But given the general degradation and ignorance of society nowadays, nobody can tell the difference unless the grace of God it's them. And the, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm doing this topic is, is because, and I've covered this in a previous episode, there are certain set of accountants, both uh, laity and clergy, who are calling the Vatican II sect members Catholics. And they're do, like their brethren back in the 1800s who were calling the Protestant heretics uh, separated brethren. They're mudding the waters because they think, well, I want to be charitable. I don't, I don't want to upset anyone. Well, Jesus in the uh, gospel according to St. Matthew said, people think I've come to bring peace. I have not. I've come to bring the sword. In the last days, families will turn against each other. Husband against wife, wife against son, son against sister, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. I have come to bring a sword, meaning that anyone who's trying to follow him faithfully and for whatever reason his family or his friends are not, if if you're serious about what you're, what you're doing, there could be no other outcome. There can be no other outcome. And by the way, I just want to get this out here because I've been accused of being um, self-righteous and judgmental and stuff. Um, when, when I was living in a large Midwestern city, I had, you know, a couple co-workers who I hung with. And, you know, I was in the Vatican II sect, which made me a double hypocrite, even though I was speaking out of ignorance, because I thought, you know, that was the true Catholic Church. But I call them heretics to their face. Now, luckily, um, the word heretic also has been corrupted. Most people don't even know what it means. I had somebody post to my uh, Tumblr page on one of my posts where I talk about sedivacantism, and he's like, yeah, sedivacantism, that's the most, uh, I think they, he said it was the most ignorant heresy of all. And it's like, I, you know, the old me would have just, you know, given him both barrels 
of truth right to the chest and been happy to do it. But believe it or not, I am trying to be love my fellow human beings. So instead, I left it unremarked. I just blocked it. But I could just, you know, to those of you, and I don't think I have many Sedvacantist listeners, but those of you who are Sedvacantist, that very remark alone shows his arrogance and his ignorance. And when I say that, I'm going by what he said. I'm not judging the man, the state of the man's soul. I'm not judging his, well, not really his intent either, but he did seem to want to be picking a internet fight with me and start a flame war. And I just wasn't having it. So I just blocked it. I mean, <laughs> and my first reaction actually was charitable because I was going to challenge him. But once again, being the flawed human being I was, I was going to jab him a little and say, well, you're calling sedivacantism a heresy. Number one, do you actually know what heresy means? Do you actually know what a heretic is? And if you do, can you explain to me how pre-Vatican II Council Catholicism is a heresy? But once again, God has given me the grace to recognize there are some people you can't reason with and don't even attempt it. So I just blocked him and moved on. I mean, I was in the Vatican II sect when I heard about Sedvacantism. Luckily, I didn't have any preconceived notions. So when they were telling me about this, I had a relatively open mind and could take what they were saying, you know, I listened and then I, I, I researched. But most people nowadays can't even be bothered to read a movie review before going to see a movie. You know, they and and the critical thinking skills are out the window. If you ask somebody, well, how did you come to this? They can't give you a coherent reason why they think what they think. And G.K. Chesterton, the famous Catholic apologist from the 1920s, had a quote somewhere, and I'm massacring this quote. But he, it ran something along the lines is, once you become Catholic, is to cease to be shallow in your thinking. To become Catholic means that you learn how to think. And it really resonates with me because that's been my experience. I found that actually becoming a true Catholic has actually helped me to... to Maybe not with my articulation of facts, but at least to think more critically. And like I said, you know, there's some people, you, you know, that's why there's another line in St. Matthew's uh, Gospel where Jesus tells, uh, he's sending his disciples out and his apostles. And he gives them instruction. He says, look, preach the word, 
if this town will not receive you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Now, it's an old Jewish custom at that time. If somebody, if you were trying to tell somebody something and they wouldn't listen, that you ritually shuck your feet in front of them and then you left, meaning I'm done with you. You know, I'm done with you. I'm not, not going to reason with somebody who refuses to be reasoned with. And just as a brief point, I talked about how the word Catholic, Christian, there was another word that I, oh, heretic, that, had been, that has been corrupted. As a general overall principle, I've noticed that just in the past 40 years, a lot of words are, have been corrupted. A lot of words have been corrupted and degraded. And I'm firmly convinced that this is purposely so. And maybe someday, if God puts it in my heart, I'll go into that. But for right now, you know, when, when I do my episode or did my last episode, or not my last, but one of my previous episodes saying we are being dumbed down. We are. You know, we are purposely being taught not to use critical thinking. And I think this is on purpose. In closing, because I'm almost 50 minutes in, um, Give me a second. The thought, the thought had entered my mind earlier and I didn't express it then. So I'm going to see if I can try to recall this because I, it was something a saint had said. Um, I can't, I can't remember the quote, maybe later, um, I've been up for a long time, maybe later I'll remember what the quote was, but I think I've covered the subject pretty, pretty decently, so the, the quote from the saint was pretty much an afterthought anyway, so we, um, we can't be ceding any verbal territory to our enemies, and they are legion. They are literally legion, both as human beings and in the spiritual realm. We can't cede them any, anything at all, nothing. Once again, I'm not saying be a, uh, a jack wagon to people that are in sincere error, but at the same token, you don't have to go along with it either. As a matter of fact, in my prayer book, under the confession section, it talks about the, I think it's the seven ways you give consent. And if you don't call out error, even if it's a sincere error, you're consenting to that sin which makes you an accessory to it. So, I'm going to end this here. Um, 
I, I hope and pray you got something out of this. And for those of you who got done listening to me who think, you know, whatever you think, but you disagree violently with me, you gave me 50 minutes of your time. I'm going to thank you anyway. You know, because it's a very rare person. I think I said this in a previous episode. It's a very rare person that if they disagree with something that will sit in it, at least half listen to what a person's saying and decide, nah, this 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 person, they're insane. I'm not listening to this. So thank you if you if you've gotten this far for listening, if you disagree with me. Um for what it's worth, I am praying for everyone, and I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. That's the whole purpose behind this podcast. So, I'm going to close with saying, thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah.